What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. For the News and Observer, I'm Don Vine, Capital Bureau Chief and host of Under the Dome. And you're listening to our latest episode for the week of December 18th, 2023, but it's also our final panel episode of the year. You might get a bonus episode from interviews we have, but basically you won't hear from all of us together until the coming year. And this is a special edition because usually you hear a couple of us at a time, but it, we're like full Capitol Press Corps uh, staff here uh, with Avi Bajpai, Kyle Ingram, Luciana Perez, Rebe Ginasi. And we're going to give you our count, well, no, a count, not really a countdown, because everybody knows what the biggest story of the year was. So we're going to give you that and then our list of other, other top news coverage moments in North Carolina politics. So buckle up, everybody. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so the number one North Carolina politics story of the year, as listeners already know, is that State Representative Trisha Cotham started the session as a Democrat and pretty early into session switched to being a Republican. And that blew everything up. Just, uh, what, two months into session? Basically, we had two months of this whole situation where Republicans had just this one seat gap that they had to bridge to pass to pass bills, pass uh, success, successfully override vetoes. And of course, the first one didn't happen. The first override didn't happen until basically like a week before Cotham switched well, parties. That's number two. So yeah. let's wait. So let's wait there. on we'll that. And the reason we're doing these in order from the top story down is because this really changed everything. I think, you know, if, if listeners don't know this as reporters, when we planned the session, Cotham was already a, a swing vote, basically. You know, she's, she's a moderate Democrat, and she was not the only one. So we were looking at her and others. At least five to six others, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it could have been all of the votes the rest of the session, which we'll talk about some of the big ones, also could have still happened. And there could have still been overrides if it was that few people that everyone was watching. So once she made that party switch, basically no one looked at them anymore, right? No one, no one looked at them, but it is correct that even after she switched, Republicans got their supermajority in both chambers. Um, you still had, you still had plenty of occasions where you had swing voting Democrats vote with Republicans on pretty, pretty controversial bills. So that still happened, but of course the heat was sort of, was off of them because right. they weren't, they weren't clinching that uh, victory for Republicans on their own. Um, Trisha Cotham was sort of taking all that, uh, taking that heat for herself. Right. She took the heat from everybody. She helped Democrats raise money. You know, yeah. she was used on all sorts of fundraising, still is. Still is, yeah. And then, you know, speculation that whole time about what she might do. Mm -hmm. And we know now, because as we record this, you know, filing has ended and she's running for re-election, but in a different district, right? Yeah. So after she switched parties, we were all wondering, what does she get out of this? You know, how is she going to get a leadership position? Committee positions, and it seems like the main feather in her cap that she got after that switch was the charter school bill, right? This was already a priority of hers. She was interested. A private school bill. Oh, private. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. She was already really interested in private schools. This was 
something she had talked about as a Democrat too, and she got to lead that bill. That's uh, is that the uh, scholarship one as well? Right. Vouchers, yeah. 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 So she also charters kind of you know they're publicly funded schools, but not the traditional public schools. So there that was part of her agenda too, and it's mm-hmm. all under that umbrella of school choice, which basically is the idea that your tax money follows your your kid and not. Um, the other way around, where it's like schools and, and serves everybody. She, she was sort of, uh, she got to be the face of that um, of that legislative priority. That was something that Republicans have been working on that since 2014. And something she's been into yeah, for a while. But she, but yeah, she was sort of the face of that. But she was also, um, she was at the front of the line sort of with some of the other bills. She spoke on the floor during, the, we're going to talk about it later, but during the abortion debate too. So yeah. she... Well, she, de- she definitely gained prominence. I mean, we, uh, a couple of us here, Luciana and I, we covered the Republican uh, NCGOP convention in June. She was sort of like a star at that convention. She was getting shout outs from people like Mike Pence, uh, national Republicans coming here, recognizing she, she played an outsized role for Republicans yeah. here. So she definitely got some, she got a boost in sort of her and her influence, her recognition a little bit, at least. And national media attention, yeah. too. Yeah, and now she's running for re-election mm-hmm. um, in a newly redrawn district, and she has some, you know, Democratic people running against her. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that goes. And they didn't draw her the best possible. That's a pretty good right? Yeah, yeah, but she has no district. other, like, currently, you know, Republicans running against her in the primary, so. We are recording this about as filing closes, so a Republican could run over. That's why I said currently. Right, (laughs) and challenge her. Let's move on to number two, which was really what led to the moment with Cotham switching. You know, Luciana, you and I wrote about um, what actually led, what was the behind the scenes thing that we heard, not just what this might mean for her political future, but why she was you know, fed up with the Democratic Party because she came back, you know, she was a Democrat at the legislature before in the House and left and came back. And she came back to a different group of people because, you know, people switch out. Some people stay there forever and some people don't. Uh, So right before she decided to make this switch, there is the first override of the session. And it was the way overrides happened in previous sessions, not successful over the whole legislature, but in one chamber, and that's who's in the room. Like the budget veto override drama in the House from 2019, it was because of the numbers in the room. And she was one of the people that wasn't in the room with the pistol purchase permit repeal. So explain what that law is, Avi. Yeah, that was a top um, priority uh, sort of gun rights bill for uh, Republicans. Basically, getting rid of this century-old law—it's been this—it's been in place for more than 100 years. That says if you want to um, uh, purchase a handgun, you have to get a permit um, from your sheriff's office, um, and this repeals that. Essentially, there this was sort of sort of like a prolonged fight, uh, lots of debate between uh, activists on both sides of this issue, uh, lots of gun control activists saying that this is not the right thing to do. It's going to lead. It's going to make uh, society more. It's less one safe. less hurdle to um, to to owning a gun, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That they and that moment of the override was really dramatic and really changed the tone of the legislative session because there wasn't more debate and things changed later with the other overrides. Before they'd call it, there was more debate, but it was Destin Hall presiding, and uh, he's the the rules chair, the Republican rules chair. And Robert Rees is the um, the minority party leader, the Democratic uh, leader. And he 
vehemently objected to how it all went down. It went down in just a few minutes, I think at like 9 or 9.30 in the morning, and there was a lot of drama. And that was almost like that we thought was the moment where the the vibe, if you will, at the General Assembly was shifting. But it turns out a week later, the, the vibe shifted even more. Mm-hmm. And as a result, this is a really big deal because of something the U.S. Supreme Court did last year, which takes us to number 30, Senate Bill 20, which we all covered, and that is the abortion law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you mentioned, you know, Roe v. Wade, that was overturned. So that kind of set the stage for states to kind of pass their own legislation that was beyond, um, I think 24 weeks was a cutoff with Roe v. Wade. I we know, had, yeah. yeah, and we had 20 weeks here. And so that kind of started the, the wheels here to enact a new abortion law. And that was Senate Bill 20, and it was 12 weeks um, limit, I believe. Right, at the end of 12 weeks, mm-hmm. end of first trimester, and then exceptions for um, rape, um, incest, life for the mother, um, fetal anomalies. anomalies. Yeah. So, and it was not as, I think the Democrats probably extra- expected something more strict. I think some of the hardcore Republicans, re- definitely yep. like, you know, the heartbeat, um, which some people describe as a total ban, because a lot of that is how you find out if um, if someone is pregnant by detecting that um, it's fetal activity at, you know, around the six weeks mark. And that was definitely what some Republicans wanted. Mm-hmm. Those moderate Republicans we talked about earlier, some wanted something, you know, much further out. And the first trimester seemed to land in the middle, um, which made nobody happy. I don't think anyone said this is uh, the law that they necessarily wanted. Maybe some, like the, you know, the typical uh, moderate, maybe. Well, in the floor debate on that, we saw that lasted for hours, right? I mean, that was every single Democrat in both chambers using as much time as they could to speak against this bill. And of course, the numbers weren't on their side. The supermajority had been decided by that point. But uh, it was uh, a real coming together of the Democrats against that. And I think we still wondered, you know, as reporters, if if everything was going to be party line the rest of the session, you know, and like you were saying, Avi, there were a few that um, Democrats voted with Republicans. Yeah, but there were still there were still a few bills uh, going pretty deep into session into this past year where you had some. Uh, Sometimes it's just one or two Democrats, but that's still significant because at the end of the day, it's, you know, Republicans call it a bipartisan vote. And that's what that's what sort of counts. You have uh, two Democrats in the Republican column. But, um, yeah, I think the abortion debate, one of the things we were looking for was what are those issues where, uh, you know, those swing vote Democrats, they come under pressure from their constituents. They some of them are in rural districts. They have different sort of uh, voters back home in their districts. But ultimately, there are some issues like abortion where uh, you have to sort of people fall in line. Basically, they, they vote uh, along party lines. Um, and abortion was I mean, abortion, like you were saying, Luciana, is one of those things that from the moment that Roe versus Wade fell, uh, you had uh, Phil Berger and Tim Moore basically saying, Ex- ex- expressing that they were sort of like itching to to get back. Well, and, we and we asked them. Them, so. we asked them over and over and over that whole summer, yeah. you know, what is it going to be? And they don't know. And then Moore finally said, well, I think six weeks. And Berger, once Berger said that 13 week, you could see like the stage was set yeah. for kind of how the, the fight was going to be. So these have been our top 
three uh, moments in North Carolina politics. There's so much more to talk about still, including a huge one, which was been, you know, argued about for years, Medicaid expansion. So we're going to get to that. That's our number four after the break. And then we'll tell you more about all of the NC poll and CGA drama this year. We'll be right back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Under the Dome, or you're watching it, because we also have this on YouTube, which was new this year. I'm Don Vaughn, here with Avi Bajpai, Luciana perez Ignasi, and Kyle Ingram, who, where are the, the legislative team? And then throughout this year, you've also heard our DC correspondent, Daniel Battaglia, and Corey Dean, who's our higher education reporter, who's also part of the politics team, because... As listeners know, politics and higher ed crosses over. At the end of the episode, for those of you watching on video, we'll get to see the rest of our production team. But before we get to that, let's get through this list. Number four, Medicaid expansion actually happened. Luciana, what's what's the direct impact of this? Yeah, so that passed into law in March, started December 1st, and it basically means that an estimated 600,000 people will gain um health insurance coverage, low income individuals. And so that's a big deal for people who haven't had coverage or have had like limited benefits. All right. Number five is related. And again, the reason that we're going from the biggest ones and then down the line is because it's this full cascading effect. So Medicaid expansion is number four. Number five is that the budget took forever to pass, which is kind of an evergreen statement to Mm -hmm. say in North Carolina politics, but that was tied to Medicaid expansion because lawmakers like to make everything a little more complicated. And one of the reasons that that took so long was I didn't have it on my bingo card. I don't think anyone did. I did. Mm -hmm. Casinos. Mm -hmm. It was a (laughs) shock. And the casino fight didn't happen. It was going to be legalizing non-tribal casinos. That is that going to happen in the short session? Maybe we'll do a January episode where we make predictions or something like mm-hmm. that. But that actually was even tied to candidate filing because of Senate Leader Phil Berger but almost being primaried by someone in his district, which uh, doesn't seem that either. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. All right. Number six, which on any given other year, I mean, I say that, but I don't know. North Carolina politics is also always crazy. This would have been further on the list than six, and that is House Speaker Tim Moore for multiple reasons. One, he's the longest serving House Speaker. Two, he's leaving because he's running for Congress. And three, he was the subject of a lawsuit that had a lot of allegations in it, alienation of affection for an on-again, off-again is what he described, a relationship with a woman who was married at the time. Uh, Moore is divorced. Uh, So the lawsuit came from the woman's estranged husband. And all of this led to a sit-down interview I had with Moore where I asked him about it, about some of the allegations in the lawsuit, which included, you know, a lot of stuff like that he traded political favors or sexual favors, which he completely denies. And later the lawsuit went away. You know, they like settled that. So, but the 
one moment was where Moore described this meeting with Scott Lassiter, uh, who is running for office now because, of course, it's North Carolina politics at a Biscuitville in Raleigh where they, quote, hugged it out, if you will. So also not on any. You can't make a bingo card, I don't think. And, mm-hmm. No. OK. So after that was redistricting. Kyle, you can quickly tell people yeah. where things stand now going yeah. into this next year. So right now, the way that it's looking is with the congressional map that's currently in place. The Republicans have a pretty solid majority. It's going to be either 11-3 or 10-4. That's 10 Republicans or 11 Republicans winning. We currently have a 7-7 breakdown in a court-drawn map, but that got thrown out. Or, well, they can only last for one year. So that's going in place for Congress. It's being challenged in a lawsuit, but who knows if that'll make it in time. And then the state and House maps look like they're, you know, possibly going to solidify that supermajority for Republicans in both chambers of the legislature. But there's some competitive races, so we'll see. And the Senate map is also being challenged in a lawsuit. So so things could change again. And they could change again. Okay. Um, and then again, this year, this would have been higher in another year. And there was even, as we record this on Friday, December 15th, State Auditor Beth Wood, it's her last day of work. And there was even more to report on this. Avi, you were there. So what's... Yeah, Beth, Beth yeah. Wood has had quite a year. She um, pleaded guilty to a hit and run back in March. And uh, today, as we record this morning... She pleaded guilty to misusing her uh, state car, her state car that she's uh, given by the government, basically, for her job as auditor. Uh, She was investigated. She was indicted last month. That's eventually what brought her down, essentially. Basically, yeah, that's what uh, caused her to announce her resignation. And she she resigns today. So um, that's a cap to her uh, almost 15 years of service as auditor. And it happened almost a year ago, just came out later in downtown Raleigh. And we still don't know who the red shoe guy is who tried to kick her car off of the other car. Yeah, Yeah, so... (laughs) You know, we accept tips uh, anytime. (laughs) All right. That was number eight. Number nine is U.S. um, legislature, Congress, a.k.a. Congress, (laughs) and Representative Patrick McHenry, who was a headliner several times, a subject of our uh, podcast episode with with Danielle, our D.C. correspondent. So he's a Lincoln County Republican who is briefly U.S. Speaker of the House and became many memes, mostly because he hit the gavel really hard because he was mad. And he is uh, wears a lot of bow ties. So all of this attention on McHenry, who didn't really seem to like the attention, and he's going to get even less because he's like, peace out. I'm leaving Congress. I'm not running again. And as we watch, we were talking about the maps and everything with who might be running for office Again, like our bingo cards are worthless because McHenry not running wasn't on it. And that is probably maybe the most interesting congressional primary. Maybe not. There's uh, like some. Yeah. team has 13 candidates. So OK. It's going to be one to watch. All right. So we've got a couple, still, still a couple a, of different. Yeah, competitive seat. Yeah. Yeah. Competitive yeah. Seat. And it's, of course, it leans Republican. So it's all Republicans that are that are fighting it out for for that. And that brings us to number 10. At the beginning of the year, there was a lot of um, attention on what uh, Governor Roy Cooper told me. He does these December interviews um, with the press corps essentially every year. And and, uh, a year ago, he was worried about Republican culture war bills, which is just kind of this phrase that um, a lot lot of times it can include legislation that 
targets LGBTQ people, which is what happened this year with multiple transgender bills, I guess. Like the, how would we summarize like the three pretty much, right? I yeah. Think that... So we've got one that's a ban on transgender women in sports. Um, then we've got one that is the Parents' Bill of Rights. That's looking at taking any, not allowing any LGBTQ curriculum in grades K through three. And also says that uh, teachers have to report to parents if their kid starts using a different name or pronoun. And then the other one was banning um, any sort of gender transition surgery or medications for minors. So all of those were overridden. And, you know, this was number 10. We were saying that the reason for our cascade is that it all started with like counting the votes and numbers. And of course, that is has going to be a potential 2024 campaign issue. So abortion is already a national campaign issue. It was this past year with, you know, other elections. And then with North Carolina next year, where we have a new governor, entirely new council of state, legislature, everything. So that's like a whirlwind of 10. We could probably have more, yeah, really. More easily. Yeah. 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 So that's our that's our recap. Uh, we just gave you a bunch of headliners, so we're not going to give you any more. Uh, we're going to wrap up our final reporter panel episode by telling you about the other people in the room. When uh, We've recorded these in lawmaker offices, so they've come and um, shot the audio and video while I'm talking to a lawmaker in their office, but most of the time it's recorded in our photo studio at the News and Observer in downtown Raleigh, right near the Acorn. That was one other thing that happened this year. They moved the Acorn over by our office. So um, so anyway, I'd like to invite into the frame for those of you that are watching our production team. It's Laura Brache, Caitlin McKeon, and Kevin Keister. So thank you all. <laughs> All right. Happy holidays, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. See you in 2024. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.